experiences. Uh, please allow us, dear Lord, to speak what you would have us to say. Guide us with the Holy Spirit's help to make sure that we have covered all of the different aspects of you that that should be covered. And uh, just bless um, uh, Pastor Barnaby and uh, allow him to continue in his service to you and bless that service. In Jesus' name, we ask this. Amen. Praise God. Welcome to our show this morning to Sister Susan. Gabriel Susan is an author and a Christian author. It was a wonderful book. I'm so happy this morning that I can invite him to our show. Daniel and the topic for today is about God's faithfulness. Uh, before we start, again, to read a verse. The verse is about in the book of Jeremiah. I'm going to read that verse for you because uh, when we talk about God's faithfulness, that's something amazing. Amen? Because everybody knows without God, you cannot do nothing. Let's read it in the book of Lamentation. Let me go back there. In my book. Okay. Now we're going to chapter three. Okay, just a moment. Yeah, just do that. Okay, give me just a moment to just hold that. Oh. Okay, I'm gonna say that uh, in the verses uh, 19, limitation chapter three, verse 19. And then uh, we're going to end, and uh, in the in the verse twenty-three, it says like that: uh, "Remembering my affliction and my misery, the warm word and the gall, my soul has them still in remembrance, and is humble in me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore." Have I hope? It is, you see, like that. It is in the Lord's mercies that, the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassion fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Great is thy faithfulness. Uh, this morning, Sister Susan, you're going to explain to all of God's faithfulness in your life first, because we're going to listen to you, because you have you have a lot of experience more than than I do, and then I believe that your experience to the Lord, your testimony will help me grow my faith, and also to to our listeners. Thank you, Susan, for coming on the show. How are you doing today? I'm great, thank you. Amen. And you're right, I, I'm old, so. By the time you get old like me, you've had a lot of experiences <laughs> and a lot of chance to to test God's faithfulness. Praise and, the Lord. Yeah, and uh, I have really had a lot of different kinds of experiences and and it found out that it is so true. God is faithful Amen. and he, he never lets us down, even though we think so. Um, I mean, I got to a point in my life, I, I reached really two very low points, and I'll explain why. Um, at one point, I tried to kill myself. I mean, seriously made an effort 
so that no one would be able to stop me. And uh, God performed a miracle and I'm alive today because, yeah, because he performed a miracle yeah. and because he was faithful. Yeah, so, um, and then I also reached a point where I decided God did not exist. And I had reached really the end of my ability to believe in God. Uh, I just felt like things had, experiences had been so, so bad that I just could not believe that there was a God. So I gave up on him. Uh, he never gave up on me. Amen. Amen. I, I told him, I, I did say one thing before I said I was going to stop believing in him. I said, if you really exist, you're going to have to prove it to me. And then I said, but I am not going to believe in you anymore unless you prove to me that you exist. And and he did. So, uh, I, yeah, the, the beginning of my problems started when my daughter was uh, just nine years old, uh, my younger daughter. Um, I was at work one day, got a phone call, and they said, uh, this is the Department of Social Services. We have your daughter. And I thought they meant my older daughter because she was a teenager and, you know, she she got into teenage problems. But they said, no, we have your younger daughter. Will you come down right away to social services? So I just, I, I had no idea what was going on. I went down there uh, and they brought me into this little room and they said, we have to tell you that your husband, uh, Clark, um, molested your daughter. And I was absolutely floored. And I, I had only been married for six weeks. So we were still on our honeymoon, basically. And I had seen nothing that would have ever indicated that there was anything unusual going on. Uh, so I said, well, where, how, what, what, what is, what is, what are you saying is the molestation? And she said, well, he tickled her. And I said, oh, where? And she said, oh, uh, on the knee and uh, on the stomach area. And I said, oh, that doesn't sound like molestation exactly. And she said, well, you have to kick your husband out of the house. It's probably better if you divorce him, because if you don't believe that we are, what we're telling you, that he molested her, you may never get your daughter back. And I just sat there in shock and I, I had no idea what to do. Um, they So they ushered me out. I went home. My husband came home shortly after that. I told him what had happened and he was absolutely floored too. He and Sarah, my daughter, had been getting along really well. And um, it, it was just a shock. And he said, well, I don't understand why she would lie about me. And I, I, I don't think it was a lie. I think there's a misinterpretation here. I think that's all it is. If I could just talk to her, but they wouldn't let me talk to her. Um, we, we had to go to court before they ever even let me see her again. And um, we got a lawyer. The lawyer told us not to have my husband move out of the house because it would be viewed as a sign that he was guilty. You know that I I believed he was guilty, so therefore I kicked him out. So they they said, you know, don't don't do that. Um, you know, let us work on this and see if we can figure out what's going on. 
And they still really never told us any details until about two weeks later, we got a little bit of detail on, on what they said had happened. And the whole situation arose from my daughter. She was afraid of her teacher. Uh, she was afraid she was going to flunk. I said, I thought, well, maybe she can, you know, she can work this out with her teacher. Otherwise, I'm going to go and go in and talk to the teacher. Uh, but I suggested that she talk to her first. So she did. And she she told the teacher she was, you know, was having trouble with her homework. And the teacher turned it around and says, well, what what's going on at home? And she said, well, I have a new daddy. And so uh, she said, do you like him? And she said, well, sometimes he tickles me on the knee. And that was it. Uh, back then, there was a law called mandated reporting. Uh, just about every state had it. And it said you had to report if you were like a teacher or a doctor, you had to report any suspicion of abuse. And if you did not report that you could be prosecuted. If you if you did report, and even if it was malicious, you could never be prosecuted. So the, the, the reported, the person who was doing the reporting was totally protected. So there was, you know, no no downside to to reporting this to social services. Well, you know, they took her away before they did any investigation. What they were interested in was making sure that I believed them. They wanted to be the ones who were in control of the situation. And they wanted to be the ones to say whether I was allowed to have her back again or even to see her. They finally let me see her. I was allowed to see her for one hour. They set up regular uh regular meetings one hour a week um and that was it that was all i got to see her as supervised visits i was not allowed to talk to her about anything to do with the case she would sit on my lap and just cry and ask why couldn't she come back home and when is she going to get to come back home how old is she how old was, how old was she, she, she was just turned nine years old oh, okay. so she was yeah she was she was young she was in third grade at the time and uh, it was just devastating to me um, to have her taken away they put her into uh, foster care the first time I saw her <clears throat> it just broke my heart um, she came in and she was in a, in a dress that was way too small for her she was dirty her hair hadn't been combed <clears throat> they hadn't taken care of her at all and uh, <clears throat> they <clears throat> they never asked for clothes or anything, but the next time I came, I brought her clothes. But the, you know, the foster, they're always overrun with so many children. It's difficult. I, I feel sorry for them, but still, on the other hand, you know, I, they, the social services took her out of a loving environment and put her into a dangerous situation. I had, that I had no idea really what was going on. Um, so event, this continued on, um, our lawyer continued to try to get more information. Uh, they continued to pressure us to, for, for Clark to admit that he was guilty. That was the big thing. They wanted him to admit he was guilty. Um, they, that's, that was it. And they, they wanted me to admit that he was guilty too. Uh, Clark was it, or he's a biological father? Uh, 
Uh, he Clark is his was the stepfather. Oh, stepfather. Okay. Yeah, because I had just gotten remarried okay. um, shortly before that. Um, and because I know this was one of the reasons why they continued to pursue this was that we were very stubborn. <laughs> I I would not go along with what they were saying. He absolutely refused. And I mean, when he refused, he just put his foot down and said, no, I am not guilty. And I'm not going to say that I am guilty. And, you know, you're the ones who are wrong. And so they did not like that. And so they they came after us um, with everything they had. So they eventually they charged Clark with a felony. Felony. He called it felony tickling. Yes, I will. That's the most serious type of crime. That's wow. like a murder, for example, is a felony. Wow. Um, so it was a very serious charge. And the penalty for that was up to 16 years in prison. Wow. So it, it was very serious and a, and a very, you know, dramatic um, prosecution for tickling i mean i would still we we still we, we just kept we're like we, then there nothing more this is it you're going to go to trial and say that he tickled her and put him into prison for 16 years for that and so it we were it we felt like we'd been dropped on another planet it was so bizarre and it just kept getting worse um there was a point where uh, the judge got very angry because they offered Clark a plea bargain uh, with something called a deferred prosecution, which meant that they would drop it if he did not commit any crimes at all in a year. And then after that year, they would drop it. But he wanted to prove that he was innocent. So he refused that, which now we have the judge mad at us. So we had social services mad because we didn't admit to guilt. The judge is mad, and, and he told our attorney that if Clark was found guilty at trial, that he was going to throw the book at him and give him the 16 years in prison. Wow. Uh, again, uh, it, it's even as I'm telling you now, it's like, are people going to believe this really happened? <laughs> because wow, that's just, that's just true. It's crazy. It was, it was really crazy. So the judge thought our attorney was not giving Clark the right advice. So he had um, all of the files sent over to his personal law partner to review. And uh, so that because he believed the law partner would then recommend that Clark go ahead and take his plea bargain. The law partner came back and wrote a letter, letter and he had seven points as to why Clark should not plead guilty and why if they did not drop the charges, he should go ahead and go to trial. And, and he lined out seven reasons why Clark was not guilty. And after that, wouldn't you think that they would drop the charges? Wow. <laughs> because basically his conclusion was, this man is not guilty. <laughs> Do wow. not take him to trial. And uh, they went ahead and they kept, they were, they were just totally um, bent on prosecuting and persecuting us. So we went to trial. And that was the most terrifying time I can imagine. And I was just thinking about it today. Um, it was on November 11th. So it was, it was um, in 1986, November 11th. So I'm coming up on the anniversary here tomorrow. 
of the first day of the trial. Um, an interesting thing happened at that point. Uh, they were they ran out of jurors who, because they uh, they asked the question, "Do you believe children ever lie about abuse?" and they everybody said, "No, children never lie about it." And so that kicked them off the court, and wow. and, and they were not able to serve. So they had to go out in the courtroom to people who are waiting to get their driver's licenses renewed and they went every place they could find in the courthouse to bring people in to be on the jury so um we finally got a jury and uh the trial lasted for three days i had to testify and i was terrified um the final verdict came out uh they it was about they only deliberated really I think for less than a day uh, and they came up with the, the verdict and it was not guilty um, afterwards the jurors came over to us and hugged us and cried they said this is terrible that you've had to go through this so we had a jury that, that understood what was going on wow. yeah and yet after that oh about that same time I got pregnant oh, and yeah, and then um, then they continued to prosecute me. Okay. Now, Clark was found wow. not guilty. Wow. I was being prosecuted for not protecting my daughter adequately from an abuser. Wow. So how do you how do you get that? How do you prosecute somebody for not protecting someone who was not being abused? Again, I felt like, well, okay, another trip around this strange planet, uh, because this is this is just not like not like anything I've ever heard of and before. Then, uh, the other thing that uh, your daughter was lying against class, right? No, she she never she, she didn't really well. She told a story in during the trial that could not have happened, but the people who had convinced her to tell this story did not know about certain things in our house. This is what happened. Um, they said, she said that Clark sat on the edge of her bed and she was sleeping on the top of her bed in a mummy style sleeping bag. That's the kind that zips up around your neck. And, and you know, so, cause we lived in, in Colorado and it was cold when you went backpacking. So she had that mummy bag and she said in court that he, put his hand into the bag and reached down and touched her between the legs over her clothes, over her underwear. So that was, that was the thing they were, were saying was the felony. Okay. That one, one incident. Clark didn't do it. Clark didn't do it. He didn't, he, it was not possible. She had just gotten a new waterbed and waterbeds back then had little frames that were about an inch wide to hold the, the water in place. You couldn't sit on the edge of the bed. There was no place to sit. You'd fall if you tried to sit on it. So to try to sit on the edge of this kind of water bed and, and then put your hand into a sleeping bag without unzipping the sleeping bag, I mean, it was just an impossibility. So that was the thing, one of the things that saved us is they had her make up that story and then had her repeat it. So, somebody she, that went against like Claude, they just say that against Claude. So, yeah. 
to make you the final cry, right? Right. They will, yeah, they wanted something that sounded plausible. This might have happened. So I'm, they coerced her into saying that. So that was the only lie. But that lie came out after they had uh, kept her for months. They had her for months. And then the trial. And uh, during that period of time after I found that Clark was going to be prosecuted, uh, every single every single time we'd go to court, we had to go to court for all these different hearings. Every time we'd go to court, we'd lose. Every time we, we'd lose. And after one of those times, I just was so upset. I, I took, I was, was seeing a psychiatrist at that time. And he had given me Xanax, which is an anti-anxiety medication. I went and I took the Xanax, the whole bottle with me. I took, grabbed a wine cooler and I grabbed pain pills um, from the dentist when I had had a tooth extraction. I took all these pills and this wine cooler. I drove up into the mountains in Colorado into a remote location. And I took those pills and that wine with a wine cooler. And that's right there. You wanted to suicide yourself at that moment. I wanted to. I did not want anybody to stop me. I had decided this was it. I couldn't take it anymore. And uh, I laid down on this. I had found this rock, big flat rock, lay down on it, took the pills. And I said to God, God, you're going to have if you want me to live, you're going to have to do something because I don't want to live anymore. And I took the pills. And uh, the next thing I remember <laughs> was not dying. I remembered I was sitting on a curb in front of a grocery store. And somebody saved you. They said, God sent someone to rescue you from that mountain in Colorado. Well, yeah, here's what happened. <laughs> wow, I somehow got in the car in that state of I don't know I don't remember any of this so I was probably almost unconscious I got in that in the car and I drove several miles to a friend's house which I don't remember at all and um, he took me in and uh, apparently I had vomited that was one of the reasons why I did not have the full dose of the pills and then he took me home um, and then the next morning, I was still alive, and, and I realized it. And I was walked to the grocery store to get my prescriptions refilled. I was going to do it again, and um, the uh, pharmacist wouldn't refill the prescriptions. And so apparently, I this I found out later. I mean, I don't really remember any of these things, but people told me this. And then I was sitting on outside the curb of the grocery store just wondering what to do and the pharmacist had contacted clark so he came and picked me up and took me back home again and then they took me to a hospital wow, <laughs> which is wow. where i belonged anyway yeah. i can say god is faithful to you and then uh and then god yeah. saved your life from all that uh, yeah and that makes me like that and it then, was a uh, miracle it's a little miracle and then i love your moment just uh how is Clark reaction? You know, because he did a wonderful job for me. He, he heard that you were in danger and he came to rescue you. For me, he's a proof of love that it was innocent. innocent. And what is your easy reaction after that to you? He, his attitude to you toward all that. I think that for me, he did a positive thing when he came to rescue you. 
But how did you feel after all this thing? When you wish to go to the hospital, when you, when you get better, how was your reaction towards Clark? Um, you know, Clark was, he was very, very supportive of me, very understanding. Um, he, he, you know, knew how difficult all of this was. And uh, we were very, we had to support each other. I mean, we all, that's all we had was each other. And um, so, so it was, it was, it was tough, but we, we hung together. We, we started um, learning about other people actually who had had the same situation happen to them. So we weren't the only ones. And that made us feel like, you know, we, we need to put a stop to this. There's something really wrong with the system. And so, so we, we started a nonprofit organization. Um, but uh, back to uh, they, their continued prosecution of me, they continued. They were going to try to completely sever all my parental rights so I could never have Sarah back at all. I would not be her parent anymore, basically. That was their intention. So I, three days before I had to go to court for that, um, I uh, lost the baby. The baby died. And so I had a miscarriage. And uh, that was the end for me. I mean, that was, that was when I reached the lowest of the low. And I said, God, I don't believe in you anymore. I've had too much stuff happen. This is, you know, I don't understand why you're making us go through all of this. Um, so I'm done. I'm not going to believe anymore. I got to you and then uh, you got to a with God, you know, after, after frustrations. And then uh, are you still with Clark? Or after that? Yeah. Oh. yeah, 36 years later, we're still together. Oh, praise God. That's right. Yes. It was the day I was planned to divide you, but God said, no, this is the one that, you know, I, yep. I provided to you. That's right. Now, and, yeah, yeah, and and one more horrible incident happened. <laughs> and and this is another miracle that Clark and I are still together. I was given um, antidepressants. We moved to Texas after we lived in Colorado for a while because things got so big. We got so well known in Colorado because of our work in the child protection system to try to change the laws that I couldn't go to a grocery store without being recognized. Wow. So yeah, we, we were on national TV. I mean, we were in books that had people had written about us. So we moved to Texas where nobody okay. knew us. Okay. But, and, uh, I think this is the reason you watch your, your, your book that I see on your profile. So yeah. the name of the book again, can you tell us the name of your book that you watch? Yeah. Yeah, let me let me show you this is this is the book. Can you see that? Okay. Uh Wheels of Justice. Wheels of Injustice. Uh Saving My Child from the Child Savers. Wow, wonderful book. Yeah. I believe uh, where people can find that book. They can find yeah, it on it's, Amazon, right? Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you okay. know, really any bookstore. That's yeah. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. After all the experience, the Lord inspired you to watch that book. It's wonderful. Yes. I'm going to check it out and I said as well to read it because it's very important that we can, I can read your things and our listeners also can join them as anything that book. You know, yeah. we need to stop that, the interest rates, you know, because living in the world that interest rates is very common, but only God can find that. But God is good and God will raise up 
uh, great leaders that can step into this space to the word of God. It's very important. Yes, yes. Yeah, and uh, you know, God, we finally figured out that God wanted us to be involved in changing the child protection system. Yeah. He needed somebody who was going to stand up and not cave. Yeah. <laughs> and but but it was God that was really giving us a backbone not to cave. I mean, everything that happened to us, I can look back now and say it was because God was faithful. Amen. Things Amen. happened, right? Things happened, even though it seemed at the time like everything was going wrong. It, everything was still going according to God's plan. I just didn't know it. And he showed me again that he was real. And uh, I've never stopped believing ever since he turned me around again. So, wow. yeah, he, he's been so faithful so to faithful me. To uh, yes. And uh, just just really good. Wonderful. And then uh, we, 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 we are honored God's faithfulness to your life. And then uh, God brought you to that, so that you can wipe that book. Because you can never face that situation. That book that you have inside will never come out. Sometimes God brought us to our uncomfort zone. To yeah. Teach the lesson. He brought uh, Joseph to the prison to get his dream, you know, his dream set up to be, to use his gift as a dreamer, interpreter of dreams. Yeah. And then sometimes God brought us situations you don't understand. So that he wants to get good of good of it for yeah. to glorify his name. We call that testimony. To find yeah. God brought us to the testimony. And I, I think often about, you know, Joseph, um, his brothers threw him down the well. And and later on he said, You meant evil against me, but God God meant meant, meant it for good. That yeah. was how I felt. They they meant Amen. evil against us, but it's God interest. had it was all in his plan. It it was you know, not their plan. They thought they were in charge, but they were not in charge. That was in charge. <laughs> Did they get that let that get the best from you? First of all, you still with your husband, got faithfulness, and secondly, God allow you to get birth to your to your great baby that can help many, many generations. You get yes. out of a great book. You know, and yeah. that book can impact many people from the thing that it's not good to do injustice. And then now uh, we're glad to listen to you this morning. And the Lord has been so faithful to you. And it will keep on show you his faithfulness because his faithfulness never, never fail, never end. You know, and then now uh, we are being happy to listen to your, to your testimony, your stories about God's faithfulness to you. And I believe many listeners understand that everything that happens in your life right now, God can turn it to good. God's so faithful. Nothing, any plan the enemy uh, put against you will prevail because God always has the best mm -hmm. plan for us. That's why I say that in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11, I know the plan that I have for you. Plan mm -hmm. of peace and not of evil. Therefore, I have a plan of evil against our life, but God said, I have a plan of peace and prosperity for each one of you. Just believe. Mm -hmm. And the thing that happened to you right now, you don't know you, you cannot you don't know, you don't understand why that's happening to you. Why God has happened to me? God said, Be still, trust in me. It's great to see what now we can forget. And I believe the story of, of, of the people of Israel when the face the 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 Red Sea became that they, they, they didn't know what to do and God said, Be still. The Lord is fighting for you. You know, and then when God's fighting for us, 
Yes. So we all be ours. You know, thank you, Susan, you know, for your great testimony. And, and I praise God for you and for Clark to still together. And God, keep on blessing your marriage. And nothing in this world will separate you until God's for one of you to go home. Right. Uh, take the last word, Susan. And then uh, to our listeners, when they can find you, I say they can find you on Amazon. If you have uh, another platform, another website, can find you can tell that our listeners can reach out to you. Yeah. Um, I have a actually a, a company now that I've started, um, a publishing company, and it's called Soul Sunshine. And that's S O U L Sunshine, S O N, like the Son of God. Uh, our slogan is like may the son of god shine on on you today so soul sunshine.com uh, yeah that's wonderful thank you susan for for being our interview db and say daniel but db inspirational coach we, we, we thank you for your time we thank you for all your your great testimony about god's faithfulness we hope everybody can can be inspired through that understand that god is faithful no matter what God bless you, Susan. Have a wonderful day. We honor your time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.